Episode 45 Impediments and Distractions God took the first step to rescue us from this corrupt world. He has granted us His power, revealed to us true knowledge, and spoken to us great promises. He has done all of this for a reason, that we might participate in His own nature and reflect His own life. But we are not passive observers of God's saving actions. We must receive His grace, grow in knowledge, and join Him in this work of redemption. Faith does not rest upon cleverly devised stories invented by creative minds. It rests upon testimonies of eyewitnesses who faithfully pass down what they see and hear to others. Well, hello everyone. Welcome to the program. I'm Neil Parks. We left off last time as the Shulamite bride has repented and sought the Lord with all her heart in pursuit of His heart. How eager the Shulamite was to make others acquainted with him. I brought him to my mother's house, she says, that all my relations all who are dear to me might have the benefit of communion with him. Wherever we find Christ, you see, we must take him home with us to our houses, especially to our hearts. I want to read uh, some scripture. It's kind of lengthy, but I really think it's needed here. Second Peter 1. Verses 1 through 11. I, Simon Peter, am a servant and apostle and apostle of Jesus Christ. I write this to you whose experience with God is as life changing as ours. In other words, he's saying anyone that is reading this, whatever century that you live in, you're the same as us right here following Jesus. And it's all due to our God's straight dealing and intervention of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you many times over as you deepen in your experience with God and Jesus, our Master. What he's saying is, next is, don't put it off. Verses 3 says, everything that goes into a life of pleasing God has been miraculously given to us by getting to know personally and intimately, big words, the one who invited us to God. The best invitation we ever received. We were also given absolutely terrific promises to pass on to you your tickets to participation in the life of God after you've turned 
your back on a world corrupted by lust. So don't lose, verse 5, a minute in building on what you've been given, complementing your basic faith with good character, spiritual understanding, alert discipline, passionate patience, reverent wonder, warm friendliness, and generous love each dimension fitting into the developing of others with these qualities active and growing in your lives. No grass will grow under your feet. No day will pass without its reward as you, big word, mature in your experience of our Master Jesus. Without these qualities, Peter goes on, you can't see what's right before you, oblivious that your old sinful life has been wiped off the books. Verse 10, so friends, confirm God's invitation to you, his choice of you. Don't put it off. Do it now. Do this, and you'll have your life on a firm footing, the streets paved and the way wide open into the eternal kingdom of our Master and Savior, Jesus Christ. My friends, that's some powerful, powerful advice from the Apostle Peter. As I read and study this Song of Solomon that we're in, I can so relate to many of the same circumstances that the Shulamite bride is going and has gone through. In my early walk with the Lord, I distinctly remember after my surrender to Christ, the first thing that came to mind was to get on a plane and fly to where my mother lived and share what I had experienced then to the rest of family as well. Unfortunately, my testimony got a few good for you's. Good for you's. Anybody had that said to them? But regardless of how family and friends responded to me, my eyes were fixed upon my beloved, and I couldn't wait to learn more about him. My appetite was insatiable. Little did I know I had been rescued, and now a new beginning was in motion in my life. You see, the Shulamite bride had been saved, and she had to have more of her lover. Christ gives himself to the ones who are in communion with him so that he can love and delight in the company of his people but would not have them to be distracted, big word, or disturbed in their fellowship with him. But sometimes, unfortunately, it is the opposite with friends and family getting in the way because of indifference to the good news. The Shulamite maiden resolved to say, on to stay, excuse me, on track and to extend to the most difficult places. 
Home represents one of the most difficult places to some because it is so familiar. You see, a prophet has no honor in his own home. You'll find that in Matthew thirteen fifty seven. Bringing Jesus to her home is a significant manifestation of obedience to his command to arise. We are called to go, and that is not a choice. It signifies obedience when carried out. Jesus said to Zacchaeus, Your repentance shows that today life has come to you and your household, and that you are a true son of Abraham. The name of the game here, my friends, is maturity. Maturity is a learned discipline. You'll find that better in Galatians 5.17, says, When your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit, you hinder him from living free within you. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your self-life from dominating you. So then, the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are your self-life of the flesh and the new creation life of the Spirit. You see, Jesus called her out of her comfort zone to a new place in the Spirit to experience more of Him. In in chapter 2, verse 10, He says, My beloved, or she says, My beloved said to me, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. When Jesus called the Shulamite to rise, arise, it changed certain dynamics in her relationship with Jesus. Once Jesus raises the standard of what he wants in our faith and obedience in each season of our life, then we must respond or go backwards in our relationship with him. You see, yesterday's measure of obedience is not sufficient for today if we want to grow in the things of the Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit continues to increase the light that he gives us and then makes us responsible to respond to it. He withdraws his presence if we neglect to respond so that he might get our attention. Our care must be that we do nothing to provoke him to withdraw and to hide his face, that we carefully watch over our own hearts, suppress every thought that may grieve his good spirit. Let those that have comfort be afraid of sending it away. Uh, there's a scripture in chapter 2, verse 7. It says, Do not awaken or distract her. This is the beloved speaking. Love, do not distract her love until she pleases. So here we are, 
with the bride as she is resting in the Lord. She has repented of the sin of not answering the call to follow her beloved and partnering with him in ministry. And just like the story of Mary and Martha, Martha was all over the place, making food and lunch and dinner. But Mary was at the feet of Jesus, eating his body and drinking his blood, resting in the communion with her beloved. Martha, on the other hand, was doing her best to be be a distraction with her immature tantrums. Now Mary, on the other hand, was absorbing Jesus, the Word, which could only produce growth and an abundance of fruit. People, places, and things will distract our appetites to grow and mature. Look at what Hebrews 12.2 says, Looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. The first incentive, incentive for our belief and the one who brings our faith to maturity, who for the joy of accomplishing the goal set before him endured the cross, disregarding the shame and set down at the right hand of the throne of God, revealing his deity, his authority, and the completion of his work. Well, there's a lot there today, and I want to close with Apostle Paul's take on distractions in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 35. Paul says, I'm trying to help you and make things easier for you and not make things difficult so that you would have undistracted devotions, serving the Lord constantly with undivided heart. Here's a question for you today. How many things come to mind that have distracted you from resting at the feet of Jesus, and now you regret that you allowed it to happen? Let's pray. Father God, I just lift you up, and I lift my listeners up to you. The Bible says in Revelation 8 that the prayers of the saints rise right to the throne room and are placed at the altar of incense for sweetening. Lord, I lift up every listener here today, and I know that you're in many places all over this earth. And we give you the praise and the honor and the glory and whatever's going on in their lives right now. Father God, I just pray that they are striving and seeking you with all their hearts. You're in control of this, Lord. We're not. So I ask that peace you would give to them wherever they may be and that their devotion to you would grow and grow deeper and deeper. 
And I pray this in your precious name, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Well, I'd love to hear from you at Fill the Lamp. And that's uh, fillthelamp at yahoo.com. So join us next time. We'll see you then. I'm Neil Parks.